Well, good morning. My name's Rich Lino. I'm an elder here at Hope of Christ, and I'm pleased to be able to bring God's Word to you. We're going to be continuing in Luke chapter 19 through the book of Luke. Um, we're, I think, on our 63rd sermon in that series, if you're counting. I am, because I messed it up recently, and I went back to 40 and had them. Anyway, it's a long story. But... Uh, we have a, uh, we, we, this has been a great series that Leonard's been bringing through to us for almost two years now, but we're continuing today in Luke chapter 19, if you would stand for the reading of God's word, beginning in verse 11. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Please be seated. This is going to be an even longer series if we're only going to do one verse at a time. But um, trust me, we're going to do more. But I wanted to give some background on this before we get into the parable itself because it's important before we jump into the parable to understand why Christ is telling it and where and when this is. And he's telling this right after he had basically told who that salvation had come to this household Zacchaeus, the wee little man, who was a wee little man was he, and climbed up on a hickory sycamore sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. But he had just announced salvation and that the kingdom of God and salvation had come. And now we're in between when he's going to be in Jerusalem in the triumphal entry. And what's really interesting about this parable that he's going to say is going to be something that... um, Uh, any parent can relate to where everything that he's going to say is going to go in one ear and out the other with his disciples. Because essentially he's going to predict what's going to happen and their expectation for him coming into Jerusalem. The kingdom's at hand and Christ is about to ascend and become king over Jerusalem and all of our wildest dreams will come true. Um, We're going to be the most popular people. We've been following this thing. The excitement's building. He's, the kingdom is at hand. And then Jesus basically tells a parable to them to provide to them the proper expectation as to how the kingdom of God was going to be ushered in. And thank God for all of us that the kingdom of God was ushered in the way it was. And even for the disciples who did not quite yet understand it. And so he tells them a parable to kind of give them a sense of the timeline on the way things are going to work. He said to them, therefore, beginning in verse 12, a a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But the citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. So what we have here is, um, what we have here then is a story. And whenever I brought this up, it's like, wait, I think I've heard this before. You have heard it. You've heard it in two different versions. Luke tells a different version than Matthew does, where money is given to servants or talents are given to servants in other categories. In this case, a mina or a mina is given to each each uh, servant, and then he says, do business until I return. 
a mina is not a, a large sum of money. I'm just going to go with mina because I'm not exactly sure how to say this, but I'm going to stick with mina. A mina is about a pound, a British pound. And believe it or not, people used to be able to live on a penny a day. So uh, 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 the money would actually stretch for about 100 days wages is about how, he gave, how much he gave them. A pretty good amount of money, um, but not a lot. It's not like he just left them a fortune. In the other parable, it's a talent, which is a lot. In this case, he just gives them a mina each and says, do, you know, do business until I return. But then as the nobleman's going, a delegation follows him saying, we do not want this man to rule over us. Now, um, what's interesting about this version of the parable that he's telling is that it actually would be similar to something in 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 an older person's living memory, actually not in Jesus' living memory because he probably heard about this from his parents, uh, but um, and and others in the community. But around the time that he died, around the time that Christ was born, Herod the Great died, and then there was a, a period of time in which his children were going to be able to uh, receive the kingdom. Now, the real king over all things over all things was Caesar Augustus. Remember, this is the time that Jesus was born. Caesar Augustus was ruler over Rome, and they allowed lesser people to be designated kings. Now, one of his, now, now right, right as Herod was dying, there had been um, some things that happened in the temple, and, um, and right after he died, er, er, and, and a bunch of Pharisees were killed in the process of, of the fact that they had gone in and said, hey, you can't do this in the temple, and, and people killed a bunch of them. And then when Archelaus came in, he's like, hey, calm down, everything's going to be good. And, and, uh, but there was like a, uh, you know, like I need to go off to, to Caesar Augustus to be approved as a nobleman. But essentially there was a riot at the time. And in the process, Archelaus had to send in soldiers essentially to kill about 3,000 Jews. And there's a, there's a real sense in, in, in this idea that when, Ar- so, so when Archelaus went to be confirmed as king, he wanted to be, uh, receive a kingdom to rule over Jerusalem. A delegation of Jews followed after him saying, we don't want this man to rule over us. And there's a number of reasons historically in terms of, you know, Herod was never really in the Davidic uh, reign and, and they, nobody really liked these people, but it's exacerbated by the fact that, you know, these people were, were pretty much brutal. But uh, Caesar did give him a kingdom, but he gave it with others. He never gave him the title king, but made him an ethnarch or a tetrarch. He was like ruling over a portion of the land. And so the people have this in their mind and um, it's not clear, but I want to bring it up because some people see this, that he's reminding them of things that happen where people don't want them to rule over, over them. Now, what's important to remember about parables, I think somebody was, I can't remember if it was Leonard telling me recently about people saying, well, what were they thinking? And in the stories, the people aren't thinking anything because they're a story, right? There's no, this is, this is basically a parable to make a point. And in this case, you don't want to stretch them too far to say that everything that Jesus is saying 
that a uh, Near Eastern king would do is exactly how it is in the kingdom of heaven. But there are parallels here and what we need to see is things that are happening here. Now, prior to that, I had to get to the point where there were rebels. There's basically, there's people that are saying, as this nobleman goes out and says, I have to leave for a while, but in order to receive a kingdom, he's, he is at least referencing himself that he's going to leave for a while and that he is entrusting something to his servants in the midst of these servants serving where there's enemies all around saying we will not have this man rule over us so you catching that that these they're they're servants who have been given a portion of money each a mina each to do something with and they've got to be faithful until he returns and then when he and in the meantime there's a uh, there's another group that says we will not rule you, we will not have this man rule over us so we come to the um the part of the faithful servants and it says in verse 15 when he re- referring to the nobleman when he returned having received the kingdom he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that they that that he might know what they had um, what they had gained by doing business the first came before him saying lord your mina has made 10 minas more and he said to him well done good servant because you have uh, been faithful in a very little you shall uh, have authority over 10 cities and the second came saying lord your mina has made five minas and he said to him and you are to be over five cities okay so so what happens is he comes and there's a group of servants that he meets and the first two are referenced here okay and the first thing that we notice about this is he says, I want, you, I want to give an account. I want you to give an account as to what has happened with what I've entrusted to you. Now, there's a, there's a sense in which both um, the industry that we do with the money God has given to us is important here or Christ has given, but there's also a sense in which the, uh, the, the other things that Christ has given us in terms of what we're given in terms of this treasure that we have to share and to spread that which was, um, which was given to us is important in terms of how we understand what Christ has given his servants in terms of the parallel that he's trying to drive at. But notice when the servants who were faithful to him reply, they don't say, look, you gave me a mina and by my effort, I have 10 minas. They, they say like, hey, I, your, your mina made 10 minas more. The, the worker in this case was not the servant, but the worker was actually the mina itself. Actually, it's almost like to the servant, it multiplied itself. He, he might have, there might have even been some surprise here. Look, your, your mina made 10 more. You see, he's not taking credit for it, and neither is the other servant. And, the, the, and I think in, in, a, in a real sense, I've been reflecting upon this because, um, you know, what we're dealing, here, dealing with here is Christ is predicting a time in which he's going to be absent, for, absent from his people. He doesn't, he, the, the, again, the people who are, are listening to him at the time don't understand that. And they're going to be so shocked as to think that when he has gone away in terms of died, um, they don't even expect him to rise again. So this is just kind of this 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 thing is is not really understood by them but we who are serving Christ 
and have been entrusted with some gift. We've been entrusted with a very little. We've been entrusted with something to share. We often are kind of walking through this world kind of in the ups and downs of things. We're servants in the household. We're servants in, in the kingdom of God. Our, our king has gone away, though we know he's risen on high, but physically he, will, he, he has not yet returned in glory. And so we're in this in-between time. We're in the already and not yet. And what we, re, what we experienced, and we were just talking today in the session in which I have all, all of these fellow servants that I see out here that have been, been entrusted with a small amount. And what we, can't, what we can't regularly see is the way in which that is increasing in ways that we don't understand. And what happens as well is that we are, we are so busy sometimes with the things that are happening in terms of the various trials and tribulations that come with life, the discouragements that even come in serving God, that what happens, at least for me in the session as well and others who serve here, is that we lose servants sometimes. We're like really sad to see them go. We're really sad to see them go. And then... We're really happy to see some servants return to the household and continue to serve. And it's really like that. It's kind of like a a constant roller coaster for the session because we are trying our best to remind people that this treasure, this small thing that's been entrusted to them is, is is receiving increase, and it's really hard even for us to to see that things are happening with what God has accomplished. We don't see the, the increase, and in some cases, he's giving increase to other people, and maybe we're comparing ourselves to others, and then we see people say, I don't, I don't, I don't think that I don't think that I'm supposed to be part of this household anymore or part of this kingdom. And, the, and then they go out from us and, and then we sometimes feel responsible for the fact that even though we try to encourage them that like, hey, this is, this is good. Let us know if you're having trouble so we can encourage you. And then we, we mourn when they leave and then we rejoice when they come back. And all these things are happening in real time. This kind of happens in a few sentences and it seems like these servants were just, you know, uh, the, 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 the master's gone, everything's going well, they're just kind of singing songs and everybody's breaking into song all the time like a Disney musical and stuff like that with, this, with, with just a happy story arc the entire time. And, but in reality, things are tough. There's enemies all around them and maybe some of them are, some of them are bad things are happening to them. But then when he returns, he's, he's so delighted that he's like, fantastic, and because you were faithful with 10 minus, here's 10 minus more. No, the, the reward is just way out of proportion. 10 cities? That's ridiculous. Why? That, that doesn't even make any sense. How can you, how can you uh, if, if, first of all, all you're given a mina, and he, he's, he doesn't even say, well, how did it become 10 minus? The guy's like, I don't know. I have no idea. He's like, well, you're in charge of 10 cities. The master is completely overabundant in his graciousness to his servants because he not only gives the gift, but then he crowns the gift and gives far beyond what can ever be imagined, which only makes the response that happens next only that much more poignant. He says in verse 20, and Then another came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept, hit, kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you. 
because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and, you, and, and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You know that I was a, a severe man, uh, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money into a bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want, to me, to, did not want me to reign over them, bring them to me and slaughter them before me. Don't have too many praise choruses that end like that. You know, I think we need to reconcile sometimes with how serious this work is in the midst of the fact that we understand that Christ is gracious. There's a place in which we also understand that the graciousness is against the backdrop of what we actually deserve. And the reality, beloved, is that even though, and we see it over and over in Luke, you almost don't have to go looking for it. The only problem you're going to have look, finding it is if you think that, well, of course, the Pharisees are the bad guys because we don't ask ourselves, well, how could I be just like a Pharisee? Because the Pharisees are within the household of God. They were within the household. Um, they, were part of, they were part of God's people. They're the, young, they're the older brother in, the, in, the, um, in the, the prodigal son parable. He's actually speaking to them as the elder brother to whom the inheritance belongs. But all they see is slavery, right? All they see in service to God is a demanding, a taskmaster, and that sort of thing. And it's the exact same thing here. The servant gives what amounts to a do- the dog ate my homework kind of excuse. Like, where's your mina? Oh, I hid it, hid it in a handkerchief. It's like the, the parables are full of these kinds of things. I can't work today because there might be a lion in the street or something like that. And it really is, it's, it's seen through. I knew you were severe. Really? The same master that just basically, the same nobleman that just gave far and beyond what anybody ever deserved? That's the character of the nobleman? The nobleman isn't receiving, or the king's not receiving the criticism. He's like, oh really? So I'm a severe man. Well, the least you could have done is stuck, stuck it in with interest. He's catching them in their own folly. And he's justly condemning them and showing that they're essentially like the enemies of God who will not have him rule over them. There's no love for the, the, the king himself as the servants return. All there's like, here's your mina back. It's worthless to me. I didn't even do anything with it. I don't even trust that you would have done anything with it. And so as we're reading this, we need to properly have a holy fear over the fact that our hearts can be prone to becoming a sense, to, to, to be going down this bitter route of thinking that, God, that all of that 
God calls us to is to bitter toil, to bitter service, to that sort of thing, and that we lose, lose the wonder of the love of Christ that actually impels service to begin with. But if all you see in Christ and in the gospel and in the church itself is a call to toil and to service— and that what God has given you, you're just kind of holding on to it because, you know, I, I, you know, he's a taskmaster. I don't see anything good out of this, so I'm just going to hold on to the one thing that I have or the one blessing that I have, and I, I don't want to share this with anything, anybody else because, you know, he's a taskmaster. He's not good. I've got to keep up appearances that I, I want to serve him, but I, I'm, I, I serve him with drudgery. I don't even want to do it. It really reveals a heart that's dead, it reveals a heart that's hostile to the things of God. And what I want to call you to is, is the real Christ, the Christ that comes to save sinners. Not because, not because we're good and we need something more, but because we're not good. And we deserve the condemnation. We actually deserve the, the, the condemnation of the enemies. And it's important to recognize as well here that the way in which God works with us is that we're kind of, we're kind of doing our thing as servants. We're doing, our, we're doing what we can to, you know, because we love Christ and we're serving. And he, he gives increase. And there is a reward that comes with that. I don't want to uh, get in the, into the, uh, the error that some people have that says it doesn't matter what you do because every, you're just saved by Christ. And so no matter how much you accomplish for the kingdom, every, everybody's going to receive the, the same reward. No, it's clear that the scriptures reveal that people do receive more reward because because. God has crowned them with more gifts and is going to be rewarding them with more, but it's not ultimately their salvation that saves them. I mean, it's not their, it's not their doing that saves them. It's the fact that they're Christ and they belong to him and that they, and that they desire to serve him and they, and they invest and they continue to work the things that God has given them and they, were, and they, and they spread the, 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 the mina, they spread the gifts that God has given them to others because they believe in the graciousness of the king. They believe in the goodness of the king and things come to them. But no servant that even has remotely that uh, small amount that is given to Christ will ever be disappointed. And what I don't want you to, what I don't want you to take away with this is is a first person that, that, that accounts for you being in the kingdom. By that I mean an I as to why. Why am I one of these servants that what, is, is given a gift? Why am I going to ultimately be able to stand before God and be saved? And you answer, it's because I did. I don't want you to, to come away with this. I, want you, I, I do want you to, to think about the fact that you could be one of these servants that that has never really closed with Christ and believe in him. And you really need to do that. But, um, and thanks to uh, something I just saw as I was trying to think about how to apply this, I was just, I saw this, this uh, video that I had seen before of Alistair Begg. It's called The Man in the Middle Cross. And if you've never seen this before, I'm just going to borrow from this a little bit. But he, this is something to remember in terms of why you stand and we haven't gotten there yet, and I don't want to spoiler alert, but Christ doesn't end up going in Jerusalem and receive a kingdom. He ends up on a cross and going to a cross, but purposefully, he ends up on that cross. 
And Alistair Begg is asking this question. He goes, I wonder what happened when that thief got to heaven and the angel's asking, what are you doing here? He's like, I don't know. He's like, well, do you know, do you know about justification by faith alone? He's like, never heard of it. What do you know about the scriptures? I don't know. I don't know a whole lot. What, what, what good have you done? I don't know. He said, so why are you here? He said, because the man on the middle cross said I could come. Because the man on the middle cross said I could come. Beloved, if there's anything in the reason why somebody asks you why you should be led into the kingdom, then anything that begins with I did is the wrong answer. Or I failed to do. And the reason why these servants are able to increase is they understand that the man on the middle cross died for their sins and has made them alive, given them life, everlasting life, adopted them into the Father's kingdom so that the the gift that is received by them is then given away as if like, why would I ever hoard this? This is the most wonderful news ever. Christ died on a cross so that servants might be willing to give away and give the increase. And those who look upon the cross with disdain and wag their heads and say, that's not for me, I don't need that. They're going to be the enemies that are ultimately consumed and make no mistake upon it. Christ is coming again. We're in between this time and it is a real judgment that is coming. But for those who look upon the man on the middle cross and trust in him, your judgment is already complete. Everything that has happened that that owes to your sin and condemnation has already been paid by that man. And I urge you to believe upon him, to receive the gifts that he has given you, and to be liberal in how you give them out to others, not even realizing the increase that you're going to have because this good and gracious king has given everything to you, even the increase that you will receive. And so that someday when he comes and you stand and give an account, you're going to say, look, what is all this increase? I didn't even realize what you were doing, even when I was like, even when I had my head down because I was discouraged, even when I felt like I I wasn't really doing much, even when I felt like I was an utter failure. And Christ is going to say, it's you, you, you stood and I knew you weren't doing as well as you might, but I'm faithful to you and I will make the increase. And so continue to press forward. Continue to believe upon this good and gracious king and he will increase your minas. He will increase the gifts he has given to you because he is faithful to the end. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the salvation that we have in Christ and we thank you for the gifts that he has showered upon us that we might provide increase by them. And, and, and as, as we do the small things of obedience on a daily basis, we ask that you, you would increase them in secret in ways that we don't understand and remind us daily as well that the, 
that that discouragements that we have, the ways in which we're tempted that um, we're discouraged or that nobody cares about us anymore, that things aren't going the way we ought, help us to remind ourselves to reach out to one another for encouragement so that we might remain in the household and continue to give increase in the small and secret ways all to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.